Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Dojo Talks. Uh, today we're doing Dojo Talks all about your rating or Dojo Talks ratings. Um, for me, this is actually, I think, a very important topic uh, nowadays because I think, especially with the influx of many, many new players, um, I think in general people are quite confused about the rating system and their mm. own ratings and how much importance they should treat, you know, their uh, OTB ratings versus their online ratings, which includes their puzzle ratings. And uh, I, I, I figured this would be a great opportunity to kind of um, answer a lot of people's uh, questions and correct a lot of confusion that I think people aren't even aware of. Um, so I have a number of questions uh, for you guys. First, I just kind of want to hear your general uh, temperature on this topic. Uh, in general, are people too focused on ratings? Let me let me throw it to uh, to Jesse. Oh, I get to go first. <laughs> well, I'm hoping we're going to fight on this one. <laughs> I'm hoping we're going to fight on this one. Um, no, I don't know exactly what Kosi is going to say on the rating question, but I have a feeling he's going to give us a soft millennial answer saying something like ratings aren't that important. Well, I'm here to tell you that ratings are amazing. And because Coast has never worked outside of chess, he doesn't know about the real world. And let me tell you about the real world. The real world is a nasty place where you never know exactly where you stand. You never know. Like there's people BSing you all over the place. And if you work in any kind of organization, there's gonna be somebody who you think is an absolute idiot and they're gonna propel themselves to the top of that organization by all kinds of social means that you don't feel have any substance. The extroverts win. <laughs> the extroverts win in the outside world. Screw them. They don't have an objective measure. Now you could say the rating system is not uh, absolutely accurate. Fine, fine. But it is at least a reflection of some kind of, and a measure, a reflection and a measure of chess ability. And it allows people to know where they stand, amazing. And in real life, you generally don't know. And even worse than the guy above you, uh, who's above you in some kind of structure and you think he shouldn't be there, even worse than that is you can delude yourself in the real world thinking that you're a genius. Oh, no, maybe, maybe you're not the genius. And in the real world, let me just give a quick example. Basically, 99% of the world thinks that they have the correct political opinions, you know, that they have some access to the truth. I love chess that it just cuts you down. It'll force you to be modest, and the rating just at least gives you a measure, a measure. Okay, so that's my rant, Coast. That's my rant. Yeah, I mean, let me just say that I, um, I'm not going to say the ratings aren't important. I think they are, they are important, but um, my feeling is more that people are in general, um, hyper-focused on the ratings, and this is leading them to, I think, some really unhealthy mindset. But let, uh, let's let bring David into this. Where where do you stand on all this, David? Okay. Well, um, Jesse, as usual, made up what Kostya would say about it, and <laughs> as usual, had a terrific rant, and as usual, didn't answer Kostya's actual question. Kostya's question had nothing to do with our ratings, good or bad. It was our people uh, too focused on ratings. So check this out. This is how you answer a question. Oh, uh, the answer, Kostya, is a lot of people are too focused on their ratings. Oh. 
Cool. Very good. <laughs> and David, if I could follow up on that, do you think that it, it is uh, holding them back in any way? Do you think it's a healthy mindset to have or uh, it doesn't matter? Yeah, by, by definition, when I say too focused, then it sort of means like I'm implying that there's something wrong about that focus, like it's hurting them in some way, right? If it weren't hurting them in any way, then it would be like some kind of disorder that doesn't count as a disorder because it's not yet affecting your life, right? It would be like drinking alcohol day and night, but you're never late for work, you never feel sick, and your liver function is perfect, you know? So, so I think that clearly um, there, there are some bad results to being too focused on the rating, right? And it's, um, I mean, there are people who like show up to our tournaments and say like, is the tournament rated? And we say, yeah, I mean, chess.com rapid rated, <laughs> not, right. not FIDE, not, not count, counting for Grand Prix points for whether or not you make it into the candidates tournament. And they're like, oh, then I can't play. You know, I'm not going to play. I can't risk my rating or whatever, right? Hmm. Uh, so that's one like classic example where caring about your rating is holding you back, right? It's keeping you from playing chess, which is like both how you enjoy chess and how you improve it. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, another example, very similar, Cartier in chat. You know, I gave him a lesson the other day. I should have just not even given him a lesson, honestly, because when I went and looked into his game history, he hadn't played a rapid game of chess for like a month or two since his rating, like he won one game and crossed 1900. And then he's like, I'm done playing. I'm not touching my rating, right? I should be like, if you're not a current chess player, you're not getting a current chess lesson, you know? Um, but I'm too nice and I gave him a lesson anyway. No. But yeah. but obviously the focus on the rating is hurting him, right? If that's the reason that he hasn't played a game as, as just admitted in chat here. Um, and then there's, you know, then there's people who, let's say they've got like an hour to play chess before bedtime and they play for an hour. And at the end of the hour, their rating is like seven points lower than it was at the start of the hour. And they're like, you know what? I just need to like win one game to go to sleep, you know, with one more rating point than I started this hour. Then they play for another two hours. And then the next morning they're tired, you know, they go to work, they can't work well, they're tired. Those people have a problem at that point. They like it's impinging on their life. Yeah, so, we, we talked about that. Yeah, with, I can um, go on and on, right? Dojo Talks I mean, Addiction. You, you know it, Kostya, right? You know there's like a million people who are suffering in ways like that. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much why I wanted to do this show <laughs> is because there there's all these kinds of things that we've seen out there. Um, yeah, the examples you mentioned of people not wanting to play if it's a rated event, uh, that's extremely common and I think hurtful if you're losing out on a chance to practice, get even like get your games commentated on. Like, that's not... A super common thing um, that people have access to and um, yeah and then uh, for me it's really like yeah people I think almost like drive themselves uh, crazy thinking about the rating and I think it's not helpful um, at all um, another big one is that people you know will generally confuse their day-to-day -day form with some kind of reflection of their actual chest strength so like one day they gain 20 points, the next day they lose 40 points. And it's like, oh, I'm 40 points weaker all of a sudden is, is like the kinds of questions that I see. Like, well, what's going on with my chest? How did I? And, and that's like actually a very, very typical question. People will be like, I've been working for a month, but my like blitz rating hasn't moved. Like, what's that about? And, uh, you know, my I, it's a very reasonable question. They're trying to figure out, like, am I not doing the right stuff or like is what I'm doing not useful? And. I think the answer is like, usually it's pretty useful stuff. The people that are like really putting in work, they're usually putting in thoughtful work 
and improving their chest. It's just that it doesn't necessarily reflect in your blitz rating, right? Your blitz is just going to be measuring um, different skills that you may be, you may be working on your like long calculation and, uh, and like your end games. And then your blitz games, you know, are just kind of like messy and that's just blitz. It's a very volatile game. And I think it's one of the last things to actually even uh, improve as someone is uh, getting better. So I, I do have to admit, I mean, for OTB players, we have a big advantage because we have our OTB rating, which is kind of like our important rating in quotes. Mm. Um, and then we have our online ratings, which for me personally, yeah, I could I could. I couldn't care less about my online rating, you know. I'd be happy to lose 20 games to someone and drop a bunch of points if those games are, like, interesting and I can, like, learn from them. And as long as it doesn't affect my OTB rating, yeah, like, I'm very happy about that. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, I don't care about my rating and I'm, I'm saying people shouldn't, like, no, the rating is very important, you know, and it's totally natural. Everyone, I think, in the chess world cares about their rating to some extent, you know, and will... Uh, make certain decisions because of the rating. Play this tournament, not play this tournament, take a risk in this position, not take a risk in this position. Um, so yeah, I definitely don't want to say it's like ratings don't matter, ratings are not important. Sure. But um, number one, there's different ratings. And I would say OTB chess is a bit harder to play, right? Online, you can play as much as you want for free, pretty much. OTB, you can't play as much as you want for free and like have it you know, affect your uh, rating. So there's limits to that, right? You have to take your OTB games super, super seriously. Um, so yeah, actually, Jesse, well, let me ask you, like, which of your ratings do you care about? Because I know you had the, you had the blitz goal of 2700. I know that was okay. important to you. You had the puzzle rush thing, right? That also yeah. seemed important to you. Um, puzzle ratings are also another thing where people, I think, put way too much uh, importance on. Um, do you care about your online ratings? So before we get to that, <laughs> David has maligned my character. <laughs> I, must, I, I must give a response. You're going to respond so, to me by not answering his question again. <laughs> no, no. First of all, I, I, I answered as best as I could. And I do want to say that my rant was ad addressed to the question of should you care about your rating? And I, the answer, I think, is yes, and I want to just maybe just say where well, I think we're actually in agreement, but I, I just would phrase it a little differently. When I see people, what, what you're saying was people caring too much about their rating is usually, and I have this experience a lot with students, is the students consumed with the short-term vision of their rating. And what people need to understand is that your rating can fluctuate wildly and it doesn't necessarily reflect where you are as a chess play, player. It's a little bit like you can, if you want a metaphor, you could say it's a little bit like the stock market, right? Like if you're investing in the stock market and you're hoping for a gradual uptick, there's gonna be ups and downs and it's gonna be going all over the place. And if you are consumed by those ups and downs, then you're, you're lost, forget about it, right? And you will be making irrational decisions like, oh, I'm not, I'm going to stop playing to keep some rating. <clears throat> Whereas like the rating is very important. And I think it should be addressed as like a long-term goal where it's only going to be proven to over many hundreds of games, what your rating is. And if there is a trend uh, in your rating, or if you're at a plateau, or if you're declined, you're going to see it in those hundred games. 
Um, so I think that's where it's important. And even if you take a beating in a tournament, a lot of times you, if, by looking at the games, you can really come to an understanding of what your deficiencies were. And if you actually do that, you've done yourself the biggest service. Long-term, you will improve by that experience of looking at your games. And I do wanna stress that I really feel like the advantage of chess over everything else is you have a clear measure. Team sports, for example, you don't have a clue where you stand. You're in one day, out one day, coach pulls you, you're not in control of it. Here is like a clean measure of where you are. Fantastic, fantastic, what a gift. Okay, then I, I just wanted to address that. And this, this other point that Kosti brings up is very important. Um, we have basically different rating systems. And right now it's more confusing than it's ever been. Because for example, I have a student who's now all the way up. I think he's around, let's call it strength-wise, 1800 uh, chess.com strength. Now, what does 1800 chess.com strength mean? It's kind of hard to say. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say. All I can tell you is this, that the Lee chess ratings are wildly inflated. They're just like, they, they seem to be more inflated every month. I just look at those things and they're just going through the roof. Um, the chess.com ratings are a little bit more modest, but I think it's fair to say that, that you know, it, back in the day, what we would say is the USCF rating, the US rating is like 150 points. Uh, you got to throw in about, a, excuse me, 75 to 100 points to get the uh, FIDE rating. So if you're 2,500 FIDE, you're going to be about 2,575 USCF, something like that, maybe 2,600, somewhere in there. And then chess.com, it's obviously more than that. Lee Chess, it's obviously more. Now, do I care? I really only care about the feeding. Um, and that's a little bit of a reflection of where I am in my age. And it's interesting because like I said, I have this student and he's never even played an over the board game. Never even played because he started in this pandemic time. And we got loads of people like that. And for them, the chess.com rating or the elite chess rating, that's all they, that's all they care about. And, and, and honest, in all honesty, why shouldn't they? If they're not playing over the board, that's gonna be their point of reference. And so I think what we're gonna get now is we just have more and more rating systems out there and they are different. It's definitely different playing online than playing over the board. And I don't care about it at all. I, do, I don't care about the puzzle rating. That was just a fun thing I did as a personal goal. I don't care about the blitz rating. That was just also a fun thing I did. You know. Um, so all that stuff is just, you know, maybe it's kind of cool to say you made a certain puzzle rush thing. It's like a little goal you can give yourself, but ultimately for me, meaningless. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the ratings and the puzzle ratings, it's maybe a measure of someone's hard work. Like once it goes up, especially if your right. puzzle rating shoots up and you've been working on it. I, I mean, I think you, people should feel good about that. And that's exactly what the, what the rewards, um, or four. Yeah, nowadays, that's one of the things that's definitely changed in the last maybe just couple of years is um, you can no longer just say like, oh, this person has this rating. Now you need to clarify is this an over yeah. the board rating or uh, an online rating, right? FIDA, USCF, like, okay, whatever, clo close enough. But um, yeah, now if it's an online rating, it can literally be uh, all over the place. Um, and yeah, you get people on one side of the spectrum that like reach, you know, 2200 online, and they're like, okay, so I'm master strength now like they just really have no no clue what how the ratings compare to each other um and then i think to a lesser extent you you have people that uh just again just put too much like 
importance on it. And uh, yeah, I actually, I think I did a whole video on this for our YouTube channel, but like when, when people get close to their peak or they get close to their target, like they're at um, 1595 or 1995, the point I made before is just like, yeah, like your, your daily form is gonna fluctuate. If your rating is 1995, you basically made it to 2000 already. And instead of just like thinking, oh, how do I get these like last five points? And you're like freaking out and your hands are like shaking every single game. Um, no, that no. It's like match point for you. Like instead, you should already just be thinking about like, okay, I got to 2000. Now, how do I, uh, how do I take the next step? How do I uh, advance? Um, so yeah, actually I put out a tweet the other day. I think most people agree with, some people didn't like it, but I basically said like, you know, when people ask, how do I get to this rating? or this rating, like 1400, 1600, 1800, it makes me feel like they're on the wrong track. They're just like, you know, they're not really thinking about the long-term future, number one, because they're already kind of like limiting themselves at this one rating goal. Um, and yeah, they're also just more likely to just kind of take the easy way out. Like so many times, you know, I've seen uh, on Reddit, um, which is not a great place for advice, but that's where people go, including <laughs> chess players. So many times I've seen the advice that's like, oh, if you want to get to 1200, just play the London system, just do some tactics, and you'll get to 1200. Or like, oh, if you want to get to 1400, just play Evans Gambit, no one knows what to do against that, you'll shoot up to 1400, and then uh, you know you can learn how to play chess from there. I think this is like the worst advice in the world, right? <laughs> it's just like horrible, but that's the kind of thing that people are, are uh, searching for. And um, I think it's because of this, uh, you know, hyper, importance on ratings. So uh, let's move on. Let me ask you guys, how do you approach the topic with your students? Like, what do you, what do you tell them about it? Let's go back to David. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just quickly clarify. Like, I do agree that ratings are great. Okay. I'll just be clear. Like, I think the problem is how people focus on them, right? So when I'm saying people are too focused, I don't mean because like ratings don't have a great interest in value. Their ratings are awesome for all the for all the reasons Jesse said and more. Um, so how do I discuss the topic with students? I mean, well, basically, I mean, like the first thing I tell them is to like not worry about their rating. And 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 that's like the first thing It's like, the, the goal is to improve. And then you're going to measure whether or not you've improved based on the rating, the rating is necessary, right? But like if somebody's got a coach, it's it's even great to outsource like checking your rating to your coach. Then you don't even have to like check it, right? Your coach can tell you when you made it. <laughs> I, I just feel like it's almost like counterproductive to be like trying to measure your progress nonstop as you're headed that way. For a lot of people, it creates these different psychological weaknesses and problems. So, you know, I try and tell them like, don't worry about it. it you know, I, I won't tell them it, it, it doesn't there's a sense in which it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the sense that like, we're not judging whether you're a good or bad person based on your rating. You know, we're not judging whether or not people are, wh whether or not you're deserving of love based on, you know, what your rating is or stuff like that. So I, I generally tell people like, don't worry about it. And, you know, sometimes quote unquote, it doesn't matter. Although of course I'm going to be checking it for them and making sure that, that there is progress over a longer period of time. Yeah. What about you, Jesse? Well, in terms of students, I, I really uh, just want to get them to see the longer view. I get so many people coming to me 
and a lot of them I don't even teach, but I just get a lot of emails being like, cry, uh, buddy, you need to help me become GM. <laughs> and, I'm like, and they're like 1400. I'm like, oh, boss, hold on. You know, we got to talk. We got to talk about some other, you know, more proximate goal before we go there. Um, and then there's often like you, you guys are basically reflecting my own experience when you're discussing this. There's this uh, urgency that becomes nearsighted, right? Like I want to hit this goal soon. What do I need to do to get there? And it's usually very counterproductive. Um, so for example, something I've learned in pandemic time, uh, coaching some people who are really, uh, like for example, my student Jamil, who has never played over the board, is there were certain steps that, that I took with him where uh, it was a long-term thing that wasn't gonna give immediate results, namely to stop him, to force him to stop playing blitz. Uh, and then to make the games longer and longer, and then for us to then go over those games. That has been amazing. It's been easily seen in the quality of the play, you know, that's gone up. Uh, another student, I have had other students who are consumed with openings. And I'm like, dude, I know, what, why do they study openings? Because they've had a game or two where their opponent fell into some trap and it made them feel strong. And then it was like, oh, if I just had the power of this opening behind me, I would then reach the next level quickly. And so I say, no, <laughs> stop you from studying openings. And I have one student, bless his heart, who has actually done it. He was an opening fiend before and he's gone cold turkey now and he's making progress. And I can tell it pains him because a lot of people, you know, it's kind of enjoyable. They're obsessed with it. We have some people in the dojo that are obsessed with the openings. And it's not like the openings aren't important. It's just that usually the openings, if somebody's obsessed with openings, it's a clear sign of that short-sighted view of I'm gonna get there using this. This is gonna be my quick fix to get me to the next level. And it might give some superficial signs of improvement, but overall, like over, let's say hundred games, it's not gonna show nearly as much as other work, especially just playing longer games and looking at would show, which does, it takes a lot more work, it's a lot harder. And it's not going to show immediate results. In some cases, there's even like a setback, I find, right? Like, like you start going over your games and then, you know, people have to learn how to do it. Maybe you get caught up in your head. It's a process. So it's going to take a little while. It's not going to be some instantaneous uh, progress. Yeah. And, and that's the thing people have to understand. That, that's the big point, right? Is that chess improvement, it can be very slow. And it uh, takes a, a while to kick in, even if you're doing really, really good work, even for months, it, it can just, it just takes time before it all kind of um, internalizes uh, within you. And uh, yeah, that, that's why, like, you know, my suggestion for folks is to just, you know, set a goal. Uh, people always come back to this, like, you know, what's wrong with goals? Like, nothing wrong with goals. Set goals and dreams and so on. And um, I think that's it's a fantastic motivational tool. But then beyond that, just like try not to think about the numbers, like try to think about the numbers and your identity as a 1500 or a 1200. Just try to think about that as little as possible and try to focus on just like learning chess ideas, like how to calculate better, how to evaluate positions better and so on. 
Um, and you know, if you have a tournament, for example, you should judge yourself not on the performance. I understand the performance is going to be, you know, either going to make you happy or, or going to make you sad. That's totally natural. But generally, try to judge yourself on things that are kind of like more, more within your control. Like, did you spend a lot of time during the games? Uh, did you remember to look out for your opponent's, you know, tactical ideas? Um, one thing for me that I've been, you know, working on a lot is my technique. So after a tournament, I'm always asking like. Did I convert my positions efficiently, right? Or did I allow counterplay? Did I allow chances? And so even if I win a game, but like I allowed my opponent tons of counterplay, I'm not really happy about that game, right? Okay, I'm happy I won, but like I'm not happy about how I won it. I think that's really important to actually like improving in in my view. Um, I think a good uh, tool that, that that can be used in terms of, how to talk to the student about rating and also how to incorporate goals and ratings into improvement. We've all said that it matters more how your rating changes over several months than from day to day or tournament to tournament and that there can be like a dip when you learn something new and then improvement comes later as you incorporate it better and better and the other stuff you already know. So I think one useful thing can just be to say, hey, we're spacing out. We're using a goal to also space out when we're checking on your ratings. So let's say somebody has a goal. They want to go from 1,400 to 1,600 over the course of the year. Then you say, okay, look, on December 31st, we're going to check if your rating is 1,600. And that gives us 11 and a half months or whatever to play games and try out different openings and work on your end games and incorporate some new thought process things, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not going to worry if you're rating what your rating is on February 12th versus February 27th versus March 3rd, right? So just sort of like force, like use a goal to also force out that long-term thinking. I mean, if, if I get pushed back on that, I don't like, I don't like the deadline because to me, if I set a deadline like that, then I would want, I would want to see how close am I <laughs> to my deadline? Like, mm-hmm. am I almost at 1600 or, you know, and I think that would be the smart thing to do if, if it, if you did have a, a timeline that was really important to you, then maybe six months down the road. So maybe I would check like every three months to see like, okay, have I made any progress? Do I need to like totally revamp what I'm doing? Uh, you know, speed it up or, or am I doing great? You know, I don't have to change anything. Yeah. Is, I mean, wouldn't that already be an improvement on checking every day or week? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I would say like, I, I don't know, for me, I wouldn't worry about, the timeline because I think there's many cases where someone does get to 1600 strength, but the rating is lagging behind. And uh, to me, that's still a huge success, right? They got stronger as a chess player. It's just they didn't play the games yet to necessarily prove it, which is an important step. But I think the more important part is actually getting better, <laughs> like the improvement part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, kind of switching topics a little bit, but. Uh, I feel like most players do um, weird stuff when they're uh, facing opponents that are particularly higher or lower rated. Uh, We've probably all heard the classics, like people playing very safe against high rated players and then not taking lower rated players seriously uh, and thus thus losing games. Um, For me, I, I definitely approach games with higher and lower rated players differently. I don't think I'm able not to, but I'm wondering for you guys, how much does that affect your judgment, you know, before the game, during the game, or are you playing the exact same style, you know, no matter the strength of your opponent? 
Um, well, I'll say this. I think um, one of the drawbacks of growing up in the American chess scene is we have these open tournaments where you, if let's, regardless of where you are, there's going to be a lot of yo-yoing. What I mean by that is you'll, let's say you're higher rated than most everybody in the tournament. You go there, you're going to play a lower rated, lower rated, and then you bounce up to maybe someone around your level or higher. And if you lose that thing, boom, you're down again. And it's rare actually to get games with peers. So when you look at American players, we've all been conditioned to learn mostly how to play against lower rated players. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit of a sickness. And I think you can see it even in Fisher's play. With Fisher, there's a kind of uh, constrained control where um, it's definitely aggressive, but there's a control about it that, say, players who I think didn't come up with having to be 100% the, the weakies uh, had. So there's a, like, there it is one, it just, that comes to mind for me and just like what it does to your play to be playing against a certain kind of player all the time. And then you get kind of good at it um, I can recall there was a game that Mr. Proust was playing in Reno and he was playing a lower rated player and uh, he let the game get out of control. And I was like, oh, buddy, just let him kill himself. You do not have to do anything here, buddy. Just let him kill himself. And he's like, no, my name is Proust. I need to prove myself. <laughs> I always play the same way. And I'm like, no, buddy, just let him kill himself. Just make some normal moves and he will kill himself. You know, and Bruce wouldn't hear about it. So that's an example, actually, right, where I've, I, I guess I even gave a speech about it once, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but how different it actually is, obviously, it feels emotionally different when you're playing a lower rated and a higher rated, but like how, the, yeah, it does, it does. I Personally, I'll say I enjoy it more to play uh, someone around my rating or higher where, um, it just feels like more of a of a fight and i don't have if i if it's a draw it's like no big deal you know mm -hmm. whereas you know you draw someone lower rated or if you get a string of draws against lower rated players or maybe you lose one it's just like oh god what am i doing here and that has been when i've been stinking up the dojo recently oh man i've been doing some real stink the last couple of tournaments my friends <laughs> anyways that's my little rant on that Sounds like you might be worrying a little too much about the ratings yourself because, I mean, chess is a draw. If your game ends in a draw, it's okay. Well, my, uh, the, I've been, I stunk up the dojo so bad in the last couple year, last couple years, yeah, that at the rate, moment, my rating solo doesn't even matter anymore. I, can, <laughs> okay. I mean, if I improve my play, it will go up naturally at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So is that true, David? Do you feel like... There's not much difference uh, based on the player you're facing for you? For me, for how I play? I actually do change my play sometimes, um, especially if I've looked at a player online. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not necessarily online. If I've looked through their games, you know, if I've prepared, I might change how I play. And, um, but it depends all the time on, on different things, you know? I mean, I think that, I think that the the stereotyped bad ways to play are definitely bad. Like playing scared against a good player and playing not carefully against a weak player, just assuming that they're going to, you know, suck or blunder stuff or whatever. I think both of those in the extreme are, are definitely 
wrong and silly and 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 so to some extent you might say i would just play the same or normally against everybody but i think i make some changes for example um i was playing in a tournament against a kid who was coming up but you know he wasn't that good yet you know Mm -hmm. i saw some spots of talent some positions that he played well in his games some that he didn't play well at all yet and a lot of people against a kid like that would say, okay, I'm going to play this, you know, boring, like, you know, an English or an exchange variation. I'm going to trade stuff out. And, uh, you know, I just said, well, there's like a real strength gap here. So I'm going to play into this kid's greatest strength. No, normally when you prepare for somebody, you're trying to find their weaknesses. Right. Mm-hmm. But I played into their greatest strengths because I thought it would make the game more interesting. Oh my God. Um, and when i play when i play random you know blitz games against players rated a thousand or something like that i like to you know hang my queen in the opening or something like that so that the game will be closer and more more interesting um so it's just okay that's just good sportsmanship you know and like casual play i yeah i mean i i do change things around you know based on on the strength or weakness of people and uh I mean, I've spent a lot of time playing weaker players, I think, compared to other people, because I spent a lot of time teaching and like running my own over the board chess club. So I would play with people to welcome them into the club and stuff. And, you know, just as being senseis in the dojo again, you know, we might be tempted to play a bunch with our with our viewers. And I have had to be very careful that that doesn't relax me and cause me to expect mistakes. Right. Uh, you know, the more you do it, because then you get a mistake and then you get a mistake and then you start expecting mistakes. So that's something that you really have to fight against. But I think that, I think that it depends on your goal, right? Are you trying to learn the most from your game? Are you trying to improve a certain facet of your own game? Um, Let's say there's a new opening you want to practice, but you don't want to lose all your games. You could say, oh, I'll start practicing this opening against lower rated players against instead of stronger players. So it's, you consider it like a minute handicap you're giving yourself, but it's towards your learning goal, but you're not yet ready to just get steamrolled by a GM in that opening or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there can be all kinds of different, like small reasons to make little modifications. Yeah. I mean, for me, I definitely feel a difference, even if it's something I'm consciously thinking about, like not to underestimate lower rate of players. It, like it's, it still happens. I think it's really natural. Um, psychologically and hard to uh, avoid um, yeah the one thing I often see people doing is like right there they've been studying a new opening for like three months and then as soon as they face a high rate of player they revert back to the stuff that they've always played it's like yeah. no why not just you know play the stuff that you've been working on number one but number two definitely play the stuff that you want to have more experience uh, with in the future now I totally get that people don't want to play a new opening OTB, right? It's like, a, it's hard psychologically, but the solution to that, in my opinion, is training games. If you just play the opening out in serious OTB training games, then it won't be the first time, you know, when you're playing at OTB, right? I think that's, yeah. that, that's the trick. And for me, uh, I think uh, I've almost never played like a new opening without first having played it in, in lots and lots of training games, as far as I can remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely would be one of those players that's like, okay, I've never played this before. Yeah. Let me play against low rated player, <laughs> not, not against, mm-hmm. uh, 
higher rated player, which um, I think. But okay, it also comes with its own advantages. Like if, if they if they prepared for the game, then you're playing something they're not expecting. They'll be less prepared for it. So that's kind of better. Whereas the stronger player, they've kind of seen everything. You're not really going to surprise them, even if you've um, played something, you know, totally, totally new. Yeah. There's so many different situations, different places we could be playing a game, you know, ratings, norms, prizes, new openings we're studying, so many different scenarios. I think maybe beyond our own experiences, we should give like a tip or two to to players out there who are rated, let's say, 1500 and aren't preparing for another GM in some tournament. And, you know, should those people be playing differently? Like... You know, if Michiko or Christian go to an OTB tournament next week, should they should they treat, you know, a 600 rated opponent the same as a 1600 rated opponent or not? What do you guys think? Uh, well, I'm well, glad we brought up the topic. But yeah, go, go ahead, Jesse. Well, on this note, I think it's interesting to say we last week in our Dojo Talks, we were talking about how chess has changed. And one of the things that's changed relates to this. And that is back in the day, there was a mystique of the higher rated player, as if they were a high priest or something, as if they had access to some kind of knowledge that the lower rated player didn't have. Now the lower rated player can turn on the computer and easily sees that the strong player is blundering basically all the time. Hmm. And that knowledge changes the game because all of a sudden, it's not like it was back in the day where um, the lower rated players would basically be begging for draws and then would play passively and then it was honestly a lot easier for the higher rated player to deal with the situation. Now these lower rated players, instead of say hiding in the opening, they've got their chessable courses and they're hunting the higher rated players. They know that the higher rated players are gonna make mistakes. So they're now looking for them. And there's a lot more aggression that I can tell you as playing the last couple tournaments from these young kids, they don't care. And is it more dangerous? Yes, it's much more dangerous for the higher rated player if the uh, lower rated player is just on a mission to kill you. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, that's the way you should play. You should realize, yeah, they're gonna make mistakes. They don't know. They have no, mis there's no mystique. It's yeah. over, the days of the <laughs> mystique are over. Well, it kind of ties into the general discussion on openings and, and how important are openings. And that's another thing, yeah, people, uh, one of the reasons they like openings because then they can feel comfortable against high rated players. Like they know the position, they're not just going to get totally uh, blown off the board, um, which which I totally understand. But but even there, I feel like for me, when when a player truly makes progress is when they're willing to kind of like fight on equal terms with a stronger player, right? They're willing to go for complications. They're willing to accept material if they think it's right or to sacrifice material. It's not like, oh, a player just learned some openings and then all of a sudden they're 100 points stronger. I think to get stronger, it has to come with certain uh, certain growth in your psychology during the game. Of course, your uh, calculation skill and middle game knowledge and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, it's another thing where I think people place a little bit um, too, much, too much focus. So, uh, well, okay, as we kind of wrap this up guys what what advice would you give for players like kind of you know thinking yeah, about their rating here's here's how i would sort of answer that question i think like right now with the pandemic you don't really know what somebody's rating is even if it's like there on the on the cross table right like you could get paired with chess latte 
And if you don't, if you don't know him and you just see his rating on the cross table, then you go out there and you're like, Oh, I'm going to play the, the, you know, the something, something gambit, whatever, or, (laughs) you know, I'm going to set dumb traps or something like that. Right. And then oops, (laughs) you know? So I, I think right now my advice to our, you know, our viewers, if they went out and played in an OTB tournament right now would be, if you're playing a 600 or a 1600, it might be the same level player. You, you just don't know enough, right? When I've altered my playing, it's usually been, as I said, based on specific knowledge and preparation of, of my opponent, not just I looked at their rating number and said, oh, it's 2197, I'll play like this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think for, for everybody out there, the ratings aren't accurate enough right now. I mean, I believe in ratings being like very accurate over time, but you just, you don't know with enough confidence when you just see a rating on somebody you've never seen play before right now to really be changing anything based on it. I think you just have to go in with your goals for how you want to play the tournament, right? What you're trying to do with your chest, what you're trying to work on, what openings you want to play, how you want to be tough when you're in bad positions or how you want to press the advantage when you've got good positions. And you just have to kind of follow that plan and more or less do kind of ignore ratings at the moment. Yeah, uh, I think that that's a good point. And um, yeah, I'm glad we talked uh, about uh, this topic because I saw a couple people in our chat that totally fessed up to like, oh yeah, I play for tricks against low rated players yeah, all the time. <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah, definitely don't do that, guys. Yeah, number one, you, we, you don't really know how strong someone is, especially nowadays OTV. So really, really uh, be careful. And uh, yeah, number two, it's like, uh, even if a player is lower rated than you, it, it like anyone can have a good game, anyone can have a good day. It's like you really like shouldn't just be kind of uh, not taking them uh, them seriously. I mean, I think at, at higher levels, it's like we see this at like very, very slim margin. It's just like the slim psychological thing. Like you kind of expect your opponent is going to mess up at some point, And so you, you're more likely to keep the tension. But I feel like at lower levels now, thinking people are probably um, extremely uh, overconfident um, when it comes to facing lower rated players. And you often hear it in their language uh, as well. You'll, you'll hear people say things like, oh man, I just lost to a 1200 or I just lost to a so-and-so. And it's always derogatory. It's just someone who's like lower rated than them. <laughs> But it's like, yeah. they might have played a good game. You might have played a bad game. You know, you're going to blunder one out of every X number of games. Like, it, it just happens, right? So I would, um, yeah, I would just caution people against uh, going down that path too much. Um, I kind of want to tell a little story. And um, hopefully this will shed some light on what we're talking about. It, it, it was just, an, I had a, just an illuminating moment for myself. So friends of the dojo, strong chess, and I am Greg Shahadeh. Uh, talked me into doing some CrossFit. Now, in the gym, I want to assure you, I am just some regular schmo. I, there, there's a lot of people who are much stronger than me, and it's just something I've been enjoying recently. Um, <clears throat> one thing I realized in the gym was that in terms of who I would like to be in the gym around me, I realized, oh, I don't care at all. <laughs> I don't care at all whether I'm in a gym with super fit people. What I care about is that the people come in there and have a kind of both respect for the gym and what they're trying to do and that their progress is uh, like a long-term project that they're serious about. Like, I don't care if someone shows up and it's never exercised a day in their life. In a lot of ways, that's even more inspirational um, to be around. And 
it's obviously annoying if you get somebody and they're like pissed off that they didn't hit their daily PR, their PR for whatever thing was going on that day. How annoying, give me a break. And by realizing, by seeing what I wanted to see in other people, I was like, oh, right. Well, that's essentially what I'd like to see in myself, in the chess world. And I tell you as a coach, if you get somebody who uh, is just like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I make this move? As a chess coach, you're gonna get a lot, by the way. And that's like real energy suck for me because I can't do anything with it. I can't, I can't help you with the moaning, you know? But if you have a longer range view, I don't care what your rating is when you come to me as a student. It doesn't matter to me. But as long as if you have the right attitude of like, okay, this is gonna be a project. I'm very serious about it. And it's a longer range view where I'm gonna have like a long checklist. And this is something that we're trying to develop with the dojo training program. I have a long checklist of competencies, things I wanna do, and then I will be at the next level. Then that's just a beautiful thing. And when I see that in other people, it helps me realize, well, that's where I should be too, you know? And there's a certain kind of attitude where, especially if you're caught up in the short-term business of it, it's just bad psychologically, man, you know? Because you're going to be down on yourself, you're beating yourself up, and then you're not fun to be around either. You're just not fun to be around at that point. For yourself either, you're not fun to be around yourself, you know, at that, at that point in the game. Yeah, there's a lot anyway, of people. So that's just my little two cents. Yeah. It feels like, yeah, there's a lot of folks, maybe kind of a, a different topic, but they have like a very fixed mindset, which I think is, um, yeah, definitely kind of its, its own issue. Uh, I've been thinking how, like, a lot of times when, uh, you know, kind of a stronger player misses a, a tactic or gets a puzzle wrong or something, they're just like, ah, Rick G7, ah, cool idea, nice. Whereas, like, sometimes I, a lot of lower-rated players are like that as well, but sometimes I see in the chat lower-rated players, they'll say stuff like, oh, man, I would have never found that move. I would have never seen that. You could give me a million years. I would never calculate mm -hmm. this. You know, I would just play this passive move, Rook B1, and that it's just, like, really just cutting themselves down, right? They're just, like, not... Um, not having any hope for like a long-term vision where maybe they, they do kind of like improve their calculation and really start to um, access a, a higher level. Yeah. Um, well then, guys, I think, cool. I think that'll wrap it up. It's great. All right, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it and we will, we will probably catch you uh, next week.